Welcome to Retro Enjoy your voyage. Welcome back to Retro Groove. I'm Adam. And I'm Liam. And this is a podcast where we talk about music that stands the test of time. Welcome back. We are in season two. Oh, yeah. We made it. We did. And I can't believe it's only been like six weeks or something like that. Yeah, it feels like a couple weeks. <laughs> it feels like a whole year has gone by. Yeah, it's been a minute. It uh, it's good. Take a breather, kind of recalibrate, get your get your thoughts in order, and come back strong. Yeah. So, what did you do during the break, Liam? Uh, I did a bunch of things. Uh, I went on a little guys' trip to Ocean City, Maryland. That was pretty cool. Haven't nice. done that before. Um, was just at a wedding the other night. Uh, and man, like. A good wedding band, wow! It like, makes or break. Yeah, Woo. this band. It was like a bu- it was like a younger dude singing, and then like a bunch of sixty year old dudes on the instruments. But the guitarist dude, they did Johnny Be Good, and I lost my mind. Like, are you serious? this guy ripped? He was just like he looked like he was a dentist, but he <laughs> just shredded like nobody's business. Um, <laughs> So yeah, man, it's, uh, it's good. Like I'm trying to stay cool summertime. Um, doing a lot of driving for sure. Yeah. A lot of driving with the windows down, which I probably should have the AC cranking, but it just feels too good in the summer. Let the sun hit you, wind in your hair, tunes on the radio. Um, I mean, if you don't need the AC cranking right now, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, exactly. That's hot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's even worse where you're at. How about you? How are you doing? Well, I mean, it's hot, but Um, we've, we've taken reprieve a few different ways, took, Mm -hmm. uh, the kids on a trip to the shore, which we try to do, um, at least once a year going down to the Texas shore, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's still the beach. It's not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not the best beaches in the world, but there's, there are some nice beaches still to be, uh, uh, experienced down here. Um, That's the Gulf, right? Yeah, yeah, Gulf of Mexico. So it's lovely. You know, it's warmer. Um, the the sand can be a little rocky in places. It's it's fine. It's the beach. It's still fun. It's oh, the yeah. ocean. I leave my cares at the ocean shore, and I I leave them there, and I come back, and I'm I'm refreshed. So it. Um, it was amazing and refreshing, and I'm hopefully good for another year. I don't because yeah. <laughs> those trips aren't necessarily cheap, but they're always worth it. Yeah, um, fair enough. But yeah, just just relaxing with the kiddos, taking as much time 
uh, with them as possible. Listening to a lot of music because you know it's we're about three hours from uh, from the coast, mm. so a lot of time road for trip. music and yeah, li- little mini road trips are always good. Um, so listening to a lot of music and trying to trying to get them into some some stuff that they weren't interested in getting into, but <laughs> that's always how it goes. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to get back down to business for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I missed hopping on and talking about music with you. Um, and I'm really excited to start season two and get this thing going for the foreseeable future Mm -hmm. and, um, hopefully bring us through, uh, you know, the remainder of the calendar year and, uh, see where it goes from there. Oh yeah. So (laughs) we're, we're about to breach the topic of, our feature discussion for the evening. Yeah. And I think that we, we want to kind of come out strong here, right? Like yeah. it's just like, <laughs> as we were kind of thinking about how we want to kind of kick it, how we want to, how we want to rock on this. There was just one group that came to mind for both of us where it's like, we haven't touched this yet. And it's crazy. I yeah. mean, like we've mentioned them in passing here or there, because how can you not a bunch? But, yeah. Yeah, but like the Beastie Boys are the Beastie Boys. Come on, man. Yeah, and so we're 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 gonna we're gonna jump in. You know, we're gonna we're gonna hit it with these three guys, just icons. Um, yes, formative music uh, across the board. Um, I don't even know and- how we made it twenty five episodes without doing a Beastie Boys episode. To be yeah. honest. Yeah, we had that I with mean, Weird Al too. Where we were like, "Man, we how did we go this weird, far? We do, yeah, <laughs> not do Weird Al. Yeah, um, like, but yeah, so so iconic is the right word, a hundred percent, because yeah, they yeah. just defined not just a generation. I feel like because mm-hmm. there's there's almost like multiple generations of Beastie Boys fans. Mm-hmm. With them there being is like thirty years worth of material. Yeah, I, I, it's weird though to say in that same breath that I feel like they kind of get um, like they had their experiences being typecast in a couple different ways. And I just think that they get relegated and might not get the exact kind of respect that maybe I think that they're due. I I could be off. I just think that (laughs) given, given the kind of ultimate trajectory of the band you have these like hip hop icons of Jay-Z and Nas and Biggie and Tupac that just, they either died and went out and it was, it was like a Nirvana thing where it's just the music shut off all of a sudden, or it's these guys who just were able to kind of go on and on and on and we'll get into it. But like the sort of erratic stumbly nature of what they did as a craft, but also just the cards that they were dealt um, kind of, you look at beastie boys and you kind of wonder if there's like an alternate dimension where something's played out a little differently. And (laughs) we were, were, we would be having a very different conversation about popular music or what music sounds like in general, if it had, if, if they had been allowed to kind of uh, do what they seemed like they wanted to do. You know? Yeah. And I think that for any artist is the risk that you run when part of your DNA is 
experimentation and like mm-hmm. radical experimentation because yeah. you know you, you mentioned some just absolute hip-hop icons and they may have experimented a little bit but their progression of albums were more you know evolutionary rather than just like okay let's flip the script entirely and do something just bananas and mm-hmm. just do random whatever we feel like we want to do yeah. um so that's just the risk that that you run when you're willing to entirely change your sound multiple times and and then even beyond that when it, with the case of which we'll talk about in more detail but an album like ill communication where you've got three maybe even four completely separate genres on the mm-hmm. same album between different tracks so you know you're you're going to disrupt the the normal mode of the way that people consume your music yeah and they for better or worse excelled i think when they were in their deeper experimental modes yeah um and again we'll get into that in more detail as we go through their their discography here but um what was your early if you can remember your yeah. earliest memory of discovering them or being you know introduced to the beastie boys i mean everybody i i think most people have a license to ill moment i mean (laughs) like between you gotta fight for your right to party and no sleep for till brooklyn and and even like a a brass monkey or or a paul revere (laughs) if you were like a real hip-hop head or whatever like they they were pervasive but you gotta fight for your right to party is such a a huge song that i'm sure i knew that um right i'm sure i knew no sleep till brooklyn like those two songs were in the zeitgeist but i will also wholeheartedly admit that like it didn't draw me in like when i was a kid right uh i mean i think so license to ill is 89 hold on i'm gotta take a look now i got this pulled up here um no 86 sorry Paul's yeah. boutique is 89. So 86. So I was born in 84. So like all this is happening and I'm I'm a nobody, you know? So yeah. <laughs> what do I what do I know? Um so for me, I mean my sort of musical like popular music or commercial music uh knowledge really starts coming about when I'm like 11 or 12. Right. Um and so I again, I knew sabotage, but sabotage was just it didn't make sense to me i didn't know what this was <laughs> like what what's happening here i don't i don't know what this is and it wasn't until hello nasty came out and i, I it's like i knew the brand i was aware of them i knew some songs and yeah. then in, you get intergalactic and body moving like i that was so that's the first beastie boys uh purchase that i made i had oh, okay. around, i mm-hmm. bought the cd for hello nasty because i was like this is cool. Like all of a sudden, like things aligned for me on like their abstract, but pop sensibility of the music that they put together on hello nasty. And like my 14 year old semi progressive ish mind of music at that point, it wasn't, but like, yeah, they, uh, they lined up enough, (laughs) but again, I'll wholeheartedly admit that hello nasty 
was not an album that I could go cover to cover. I tried when I was a kid. I remember buying it and thinking like, this is going to be my jam. And you started off and it's all over the place. And I'm it's like, all over the place. <laughs> who's this band? I don't know who this band is. What is this? And so right. I did the thing that I did with a bunch of albums where like I skipped around to a few songs that I liked and then I put on another CD. And like, yeah, I, I didn't become a Beastie Boys fan. And it wasn't until later, like much later, where I was able to like have that kind of eclectic palette and appreciation another perspective not just be looking for like that pop hit fix of yes. what i was digging and then all of a sudden that your eyes open up and you're like oh these guys were doing stuff that i couldn't even i couldn't wrap my head around i had no idea what yeah. all this was and now i can appreciate it you know um yeah what and about you? there may be something to just how much they pull sounds from so many different places mm-hmm. that you know is is lost on a on a 12 13 14 year old that oh, yeah. doesn't quite have the not even so much life experience but the the listening experience of taking in all of this music all of these you know um when i first listened to check your head i didn't even recognize that that first kind of uh sample that's getting cut up is a Jimi hendrix song i didn't even Mm. recognize it it's not until you kind of enrich yourself with the the musical landscape overall that it all kind of starts to come together plus you're right as you get older you start to just appreciate more genres you know most people as they get into their 20s and and later on you know, they're not so much like most of us in our teens, like, oh, I only listen to punk or oh, I only mm-hmm. listen to rap. You know what I mean? You start to broaden your horizons and yeah. you'll listen to, a, you know, a wider range of of material. Um, but for me personally, you know, being a, a little bit older, I think I think I'm probably just exactly one Beastie Boys album generation earlier <laughs> than mm-hmm. you. Um I came in obviously having heard, like you mentioned, um, the the singles off of License to Ill on the radio. Didn't like it. I thought Girls was obnoxious, the song. Still think <laughs> Girls is obnoxious and still the worst Beastie Boys yeah. song. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, people loved it. And, you know, it it just didn't click with me. It It wasn't my style. And then... Um, at some point I ended up hearing root down. Oh yeah. And I think it was the music video actually, cause I was really into music videos. I loved MTV. I would stay up late and watch 120 minutes. And mm-hmm. as soon as a new video would start, I would hit record on the VHS recorder on the, on the VCR. Yeah. And you know, if I didn't like it, I would stop recording and, you know, double back. But if it was cool and I liked it, I would keep it and go on to the next one. So, um, you know, a lot of us from that era have memories of, you know, recording songs off of the radio. Oh, yeah. I, I did the same thing, but with music videos and 120 minutes was my like, discovery zone it was just like uh, all of these 
acts. It was, you know, two hours of alternative music videos, most of which I had never heard of these artists before. And mm-hmm. I can attribute a lot of my nineties, uh, listening to 120 minutes on MTV. And, uh, it was the root down music video that was like, this is really, really cool. And I ended up getting the ill communication album and it just, I didn't kind of probably in a similar vein to you picking up hello nasty and being like, this is all over the place. I don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on here. Um, you know, you, you, you hear what would be considered a traditional beastie boys track. And then after a song or two, you're thrown into uh, this is like, this is hardcore punk. What's going on here? And this jazz and yeah, (laughs) there's all kinds of stuff on that album. And it's it's incredible but at the time you're you're just kind of like whoa what is going on here mm-hmm. um but you know it introduced me to sabotage and i still remember seeing the sabotage video but i'm pretty sure right. i had the album first um and you know songs like flute loop and um it, there's just so much going on on that album and and i feel like in a lot of ways I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here, but band uh, groups like the Beastie Boys really paved the way for groups like Gorillaz, who oh, yeah. hop around with their sound and bring in guest artists all the time. And you know they're they're kind of hip hop, but they're a full band at the same time, and they'll mm-hmm. weave in and out of different genres. Um, you know, the Beastie Boys really paved the way for that kind of thing. And but similar to those, I would say like. Uh, if you're looking at Gorillas or even Blur before it, um, mm-hmm. what's interesting is I feel like on the front end of a lot of those, you had that uh, immediate commercial success that comes off of a song number two or Clint Eastwood from from Gorillas right. or License to Ill that gives you the, the paycheck and then the flexibility or the hopefully the trust to be the experimental artist that you are, but it also sets an yeah. anticipation that yeah. like you're yes. going to do the same thing and just give us an album with 12 iterations of the song. I like, you know, right. um, and that, and the beastie boys were never really going to do that. Uh, I, I admittedly, like I'm not hyper familiar with license to ill. I've kind of skipped it. I've gone back to it because, because it's got, songs that are great but it's not out of most of their catalog i i don't spend a lot of time with it i don't i don't i I feel like it was just that initial blast of what people perceived them as and what they were made to be and and just how things aligned but it's not actually what any of those artists were trying to ultimately become and i'm Mm -hmm. more interested in what happened after and like once they were given the money and the tools what did they do with it and there's so much good stuff there that i almost don't yeah. feel like i need to go back to the quote-unquote hits um but the hits help define them, you know like that's yeah totally yeah yeah and and you could you know kind of call it early stages like i can't say that i go back to the first gorillas album all that often at all despite right. how incredible it is and how revolutionary it was at the time uh, for lack of a better word, but um, I feel like that album is kind of a melting pot of everything that they had done before and mm-hmm. 
a window into what they were going to do in the future. Um, so that, that to me kind of feels like their like middle point of, of their sonic career. Right. Um, that's kind of that maybe, maybe not like the, I wouldn't call it the peak of their career. Um, I would almost argue that hello nasty was kind of the peak of their career. Um, certainly the peak of their popularity, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they, they had to scale the, the ill communication mountain to get to hello nasty. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's right, right without, right, right. without, without, ill communication you don't have hello nasty it doesn't happen that's like that was like the booster rocket to get them to the moon with hello nasty uh in my opinion i agree Um, i totally agree um why don't we go like since we're talking about how blur then leads to gorillas why don't we go to how beastie boys became beastie boys right because yes they were these hardcore kids like they were doing literally the, whatever yes. whatever the middle finger could be in music yeah. at the time and like <laughs> in the like is. late 70s early 80s like these guys are just gonna do it you know i i feel like first off they get this rap as being um these like upper class or upper upper middle class kids who are just brats and who kind of were uh, were were handed a bunch of stuff, and then they could go off and and do whatever they wanted. Um, and and they, I think the the truth in that is that they all had parents who supported them and trusted them. Yeah, and were like you guys are good kids. I don't understand what you're doing. But yeah, go for it. You know, <laughs> but here's like, the financial just, backing yeah, to do it without good, having good to. luck. <laughs> yeah, like good luck. I mean, like to a various degrees. I think Mike D was like his his parents were art collectors. Like I, I do think they had some money, but but a- a- Adam Horowitz, like Ad Rock, didn't like he was. It was a single yeah. mom situation, and they were middle class at best. And like I, I think that these kids were just uh, were were supported and entrusted, yeah. which which is a privilege in many situations. Unfortunately, it really but, truly like, is. They weren't spoiled brats, you know, like it wasn't that kind of thing. I mean, they didn't have cash like they yeah, they they definitely didn't have that. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was two different hardcore bands, basically, right? That kind of like merged together. Yeah, that seems to be um, the history here. And, you know, we don't we don't delve incredibly deeply into the minutia of Mm -hmm. the history of artists here, but having this baseline helps us understand the artists a little bit better. Um, But so there was this hardcore punk band called the young Aborigines in the late Mm -hmm. seventies. And it was, you know, Mike, Michael diamond, Mike D uh, on vocals, um, Jeremy Shayton on bass, John Barry on guitar. Uh, John Barry is actually credited with, coming up with the name beastie boys oh, cool. um and kate schellenbach um on drums and of luscious uh, jackson right yes ultimate like right? ultimately of luscious jackson who then would stay in touch with the beastie boys later on and i believe grand royal who yes they put out the luscious jackson album on the beastie boys imprint basically yep yes yeah. they were on grand royal and yeah. um and um, Ad Rock in interviews, you know, later on expressed uh, regret at them 
kind of more or less kicking her out yeah. of the band yeah. because yeah. I guess at the time it didn't fit the like hard, like rap dude style right. that they were merging into. Right. Um, but you know, clearly if, if luscious Jackson ended up on grand Royal, there was must not have been any bad blood there. I'm assuming. Right. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it ended up all working out. Um, uh, but yeah, so, um, Shayton left the band, uh, in the early eighties, 81 actually. And then, um, Adam Yauch, MCA, uh, ultimately who would become MCA comes in to replace him right. on bass. Um, and then ad rock Adam Horowitz was in a band called the young and the useless, which is, yep. an, um, can we just talk about how amazing that name is for yeah. a split second? It's a great name. It's the a great name. And, and it's exactly, useless. yeah, it's who you want to go see at CBGB's. Um, <laughs> exactly. and they were, like they were living the New York punk hardcore scene at the time. And they, yes. they played the shared stages with bad brains and dead Kennedys and whatnot. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah. And, and so the young and useless, I believe started opening for beastie boys, um, which I've seen other artists do from time to time. Usually it's like a throwback yes. thing where like, or it's a side project or something. Um, I'm always amazed uh, and exhausted by an artist who can do two sets with different bands. I mean, it's a right. crazy thing to do. Um, and I think ultimately he, he just went off and was just like, no, the beastie boys is where it's at. Like this is, this yeah. is the thing that's fresh and this is the thing that makes the most sense. I mean, that's um, more or less how the Beatles ended up with Ringo. Yeah, it, <laughs> I guess that's so, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it happens. You see it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 a tale as old of time in the in the famous band formation uh, <laughs> universe. Yeah. Um, but then they they end up kind of shifting more towards the you know the new middle finger to the mm-hmm. world music right yeah in hip-hop and yeah i mean they're living and breathing that like new york world and they're in that scene um yeah and and they there's a regional uh ice cream chain here called carvel uh, mm-hmm. which will be the f- the first of my like roundabout connections ultimately because that was my first job Oh, um, nice. I, I used to make Fudgy the Whale and Cookie Puss and all of those things. There like you I go. made those in high school. And so, nice. like, again, I didn't know it at the time, but as I came back into it and discovered the Beastie Boys, there's been all these moments where I'm like, man, I just brushed right up against living <laughs> in this lifestyle. Um, and so they're doing the things that, like, bratty kids in the tri state area are doing, which is crank calls and yeah. playing in the garages and stuff. And they make yeah. this hip hop track called cookie puss. Um, <laughs> and it, dude, that could have gone nowhere. It just like, it, it, because it had a bunch of like sample sounds and stuff, it was yeah. really cool, but it, it could have gone nowhere. Yeah. Um, and it'll be, I, I feel like we'll see this and we'll talk about this happening more so with License to Ill than this. That This is like the first situation where there's this fortuitous thing, albeit very odd thing that happens, where it's right. like they they create Cookie Puss. They're living in New York. Rick Rubin is living and working and launching Def Jam right. um, 
out of uh, an NYU dorm room that my girlfriend actually lived in. And I used to hang out in Weinstein oh, dorm room Louise. too, because I, I, I went to NYU. So Man. yeah, it's crazy. So, so they're hanging out in Weinstein dorm room and Rick Rubin is loving everything that he's hearing from the Beastie Boys because it's taking his hip hop sensibilities and it's merging it. Like he loved hard rock. He loved messing with samples like that. Um, and so right. he presses he presses uh, everyone in his dorm to request the song on WNYU, uh, like the terrestrial local radio station, the college right. station. Perfect. Um, and somehow this other DJ who gets hired by British Airways to like sync up a commercial and throw some music on it samples part of cookie puss or sample something <laughs> from from the cookie puss release i should say uh-huh. and and the guys hear it and they're like oh they, they get a lawyer and they sue british airways and british airways gives them like 50 grand or whatever and the Which guys a crap take a load of money at the time <laughs> i mean yeah if you're just a kid living in a someone's your friend's dorm yeah and they just took that money and created their like communal space where they could basically launch this project and and give it um, amazing give it legs and the 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 really fun just kind of side story of all that before we move on so like ad rock is is crashing with rick rubin and weinstein they're hanging out and rick is getting like some real momentum off of this def jam thing as he's as he's launching it and so he starts getting a lot of demo tapes sent in yeah. Um, for consideration. And Adam's just chilling there and like listening to them. And Rick trusts him. He's like, this kid's got an ear. So Ad Rock is is uh, kind of reviewing all this stuff and hits this tape of this guy who's just got this flow, this machismo. He's got he's got rhymes and he's like this. He gives it to Rick. He's like, this is your guy like this. You have to listen to this. Uh-huh. And that was LL Cool J. You know, like yeah. LL will fully cop to the fact that it was ad rock, like in the stack of tapes that pulled him out and was like, Rick, this. And then like Rick and LL go on to dominate hip hop. I mean, like it's I, sure. L- LL's career also just a crazy rocket to the moon. Yeah. Um, Deservedly so, so. It, like these weird little like brushes where they had with each other, like. I don't know if the Beastie Boys ever really performed with LL. I don't know if they like knew each other much, but like, yeah, it's there. They impacted each other's career, which back then you wouldn't even know if it meant anything. But you got this hindsight now of 30 somewhat years and you're like, wow, that's crazy. That one massive star created another like the lane for another massive star. Right. It's insane. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so they go and they uh, they can create what then becomes License to Ill, right? Like they could they become this rap group that still has these hardcore um, hardcore roots to them and they they play instruments and it rocks. Um, but like, I don't know, they get they get on a put on a tour with Madonna and Madonna like hadn't been like massive, massive yet. She was a hit, but like. It was leading into yeah, she the, was like, new the at the time tour. Yeah. And it and was like, uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe the Madonna tour was before License to Ill actually comes out. Yeah. Okay. 
So, so you don't even that's have those even more crazy. To ride on. <laughs> yeah. It is, right? Like you think of the Beastie Boys opening for Madonna and you're going to screw your face up because you're like, <laughs> what's <laughs> even happening? But these and were then, like, like brand new artists at the time. Right. And so she she explodes while that tour is happening, basically. Right. Like a virgin becomes what it becomes. And they don't have the you got to fight for your right to party yet. Like that hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. So yeah. they're going out there doing their sort of rock hard cookie puss, like these <laughs> early kind of like rock rap amalgams. Right. I, what is What does a Madonna fan think of that? Like it's not, but Who they knows? did the tour. Like she could have just dropped it and she never like at, they, they did the tour, you know, like to, yeah. to whatever end it was, it worked out. Um, and then they, they get off the tour and they record license to ill and it just becomes one of the best selling rap albums of the eighties. Yeah. Like the first, the first rap album to go to number one, um, first number one on the billboard 200 chart. Yes, sir. That's a hundred percent. Right. Um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because you would not. If 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 I was on like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and it was like a multiple choice between you know what was the first number one rap album, I, I'd say it was I, a Run DMC or yeah or something Public like Enemy that or something so, like that yeah yeah. Um, yeah but you know they're making Def Jam a ton of money, mm-hmm. um, but then they and we haven't even really talked about the album yet, but um, they start to um, get unhappy with the with the financial situation at Def Jam. Yeah, I mean, right? there's, a, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. So Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin were working hand in hand, but they were also completely at odds, right? And so Russell's managing them, but Rick is kind of con- the controlling force. Um, you know, they, they're trying to figure out the branding of this band. Um, you know, they had like this inflatable penis that they toured with, you know, and like <laughs> uh, it was like it just had this like frat party vibe to it, which oh, they, totally they were fine with. Like they they lived that lifestyle to some extent, but they were trying to, you know, they like put them in matching track suits and it just yeah, the vibe that, that was coming off attention. of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it was like that. It almost seemed like it was mocking the culture. And so uh, Russell was the one like Rick had this, uh, you know, he's like this orchestrator or whatever. And Russell comes in and he's just like, no, you just got to dress like you dress. And then suddenly right. they're just wearing their street clothes and it kind of gels better, you yeah, know? Definitely. Yeah. I think um, there was even I, I remember reading that eventually there was even a little bit of beef between them and LL Cool J because the Beastie Boys ended up forming this uh rep uh <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? God reputation um, reputation for destroying hotel rooms. Oh, they would just yeah. trash hotel rooms and yeah, like you stars. know LL Cool J was getting upset about it because he's like man like people aren't going to take us seriously they're not going to want us on you know uh on their tours anymore and and stuff like that so they're like in a similar vein to the you know matching tracksuit thing uh there was some negativity surrounding like you know what are y'all doing like with Mm -hmm. this music it's 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 giving it's giving us kind of a bad look yeah um 
So that may have, and honestly, if we're going in, in and talking about the album itself, it's, mm-hmm. it's really, I was listening to it. I listened to a ton of Beastie Boys these last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and License to Ill is clearly my least favorite. There's some yeah. high points, of course, but it's hard and it's hard to go back to. And it's weird as a Beastie Boys fan to go back and listen to what they're rapping about yeah. and, you know, literally talking about carrying guns and shooting other people. Um, obviously there's the chauvinistic aspect, mm-hmm. which they later regretted and apologized for and tried to in make like right. in songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's the whole frat party thing that obviously brought them a great deal of success, which then they later, you know, apologized for and, and tried to make amends for and distance themselves from, but man, it's hard to go back and listen to some of those songs. Um, it's, it's probably my least favorite. Yeah. I I think, I think I'm with you on that. Um, again, I don't have the inherent nostalgia for it as a body of work. I can, it's fun music that I have memories of because it's, it's, it's a, it's a vibe, I guess, in some senses, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't speak to me. Um, but it did, it, it did bring them that kind of financial ability and then that impact and respect um uh, i i'll i'll say there's also just another funny airline thing there where you know obviously the the album cover has oh yeah depicts, <laughs> it, like open it up or look to the back of it i mean it's a it's a plane crashing right right and uh their label the head of their label at the time got a phone call uh from the head of american airlines uh, who oh, because of the likeness to their jets. They were, yeah, yep. <laughs> they were threatening. They were threatening to pull all of because you have these like interlocking things between broadcast TV and record labels. They're all like media right. empires, right? And so they were threatening to pull all of their ad spots, which was really substantial, on every CBS outlet in the country wow. unless CBS pressed the label. To pull the uh, to pull the albums, they they didn't just oh, want I didn't it. Realize like, it was that major. Oh yeah, they wanted they wanted all the albums recalled, and then the artwork changed, and and That's they were like, nuts. the undertaking alone would be insane. But like yeah. you would you would torpedo not just the band, but the entire enterprise would just be of a course. laughing stock. Yeah, just because it it I mean it didn't have their logo or anything on it. They just felt that it looked too similar to right. it. And it didn't hold up in court and they just moved along. But it's like something about these guys in airplanes, you know, like (laughs) it's crazy. Um, uh, But yeah, so they the 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 kind of thing that uh, comes off of this stereotyping of them Mm -hmm. then, which, again, is another situation where you have the sliding doors where this could have gone in another direction. So Mm -hmm. Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin has a vision for this group and he's like DJing for them on shows as DJ double R. Yeah, DJ uh, double R. Yeah, (laughs) Um, awesome. And like and like the genesis of some of like the the fun little raps come from like Rick liked that they would they were fun they were funny yeah they had serious the serious subject matters here or there but it was like they were trying to make each other laugh and it kind of right, spurred exactly. off of that and they would make each other laugh um 
but like the beastie boys were in talks to do a movie they were yep. in talk they they made a whole pilot for mtv um but it never got off the ground like any of those things that could have turned them into an enterprise which would further cement this frat boy stereotype that you know would have happened if it was like right uh, a comedy series on mtv you can't break out of that you, you there's nothing you would you would be a brand and that would be your brand um so universal uh pictures they 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 come up with this Beastie Boys movie um, and Universal offered to finance it. But Rick didn't see it gelling with his vision for what the Beastie Boys were. And, and Rick uh, had De- Rick had Def Jam. And so right. he technically had the right to no. distribute their music. And so he was like, you can do the movie. You guys own the brand of Beastie Boys. You can do the movie, but you can't perform and you can't use your music because that's well, then how do you make a Beastie Boys movie without yeah, exactly. Music. And you, yeah, yeah. Universal is like, well, I'm not giving you $4 million to not perform right. or put your music in it. Like, exactly. why would we ever do that? Uh, and so they, like he torpedoed that, that situation. And so you see, there's only one album on Def Jam. Like that's it. Like they, right. they broke with that. And, and so they, and also like, again, this band is so New York and then they so take the money, they take the money and they run to L they head to LA and it's the next crazy, three right? albums are all LA made albums, which is like wild they, because it's so crazy. When yeah. you think about the beastie boys, I don't know that there is a more New York act right than right. the beastie boys i mean every other song is about new york anyway but right but right. it's just the whole vibe and right. but you're right they 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 go to la and they they kind of which is kind of funny because you know the first album um after they break from def jam and move to capital it features a picture of a location in Brooklyn on the cover. Paul's, Paul's boutique. boutique. So yeah. that's so. So here's the thing: this is not in Brooklyn. It's oh, okay. on. It's on the Lower East Side, on the corner of Rivington and Ludlow. And I lived a block away from there when, see, I, when I was going. See to this, ladies and gentlemen. It's is amazing. I love doing it's this so show with Liam. It's but again, incredible. like I didn't, but like this is 89, like I'm not right. there until 2004, but like, again, like as I dive back in, I'm like that, that store was gone by the time, but those brownstones, like I lived in one of those brownstones yeah. basically in the picture. And I'm like, oh, I know that block. That's so weird that, and it, Paul's boutique wasn't a thing. They just stuck a sign on another store and called it a thing. But like yeah. it, it's, it, it like it, you're right. It made it feel like a New York thing because they were a New York band. Yep. But, but like orally, sonically, they were something different now, right? It, it like, completely changed. Mm-hmm. And, and well, okay. We maybe not know. completely changed. Well, but to, I think for a fair amount, like I, yes. we don't know. I, I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know them. I don't know enough to say that it was LA that, allowed them to have that like 
openness to experiment if it was the the liberation from rick rubin where they could have their they could find their vision if it was Mm -hmm. meeting mario c at that point right um like the story with paul's boutique goes is like they met the dust brothers like this 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 production crew and song this like songwriting crew and um these guys had this body of work that wasn't being used for anything. And they present a bunch of it to the three guys and they're like, Oh yeah, no, we're going to rap over this stuff. Let's go with it. And they they were like, Oh, well we can, we can like, we can draw it out. We can make it more sparse. It's a little dense for emceeing. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. I like it this way. (laughs) We're just going to do it this way. (laughs) And so half of Paul's boutique is stuff that the dust brothers already had. Uh, that they just kind of wild. reworked with the Beastie Boys, and then the other half of it um, is stuff that they collaboratively made together. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like they went out to L.A. and I think they like kind of found themselves. But again, they had the money right. from it, right? They had the momentum. Everybody loved them. They could do tour dates and 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 make right. whatever money they wanted to. Um, but yeah, they 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 had their trajectory at that point, and it enabled them to start really experimenting and they Um, did and it kind of hurt them a little bit in the short term because Mm -hmm. it didn't it it was sort of i i don't know if you would call it a flop but it did not resonate at the time the same way that license to ill did and obviously over time the the genius of it has been fully explored and praised and you know it's it's seen as an absolute classic but at the time it didn't do so great yeah i mean what what's on there that you would call the follow-up i mean you when you look at ladies maybe yeah basically like Mm -hmm. shake your rump maybe i mean those that's what they went with they they tried putting those out there but you listen to this album there's nothing if you're a marketing person that you can be like Oh yeah, this is how we sustain this pop momentum. It, I'm sure that right. half of that team looked at it and was like, again, I don't know the the full genesis of those conversations, but when Capital right. got their hands on this band, I'm sure they thought that they had this enterprise. And I'm assuming when they received Paul's boutique, they were like, They're "Like, what is this? Wait, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, excuse what?" Uh, okay where's the sure. track suits yeah yeah right yeah like where where's the where's the beer and the drinking and the cigarettes and the parties like where's all that yeah. and and like it's in there but it's there's swagger there's storytelling there's like yep. there's this growth and experimenting of of samples and stuff and it's just Wild so sampling elevated yes. it's so elevated beyond what that first album was it's such a big jump from the first to the second right. um for sure and, and and I feel like they 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 kept that going for the rest of their career, basically. Like they were able to sustain this thing. Um, I, I, is there more? I don't. What's your history with Paul's Boutique? I mean, is that-, I mean, that that's essentially it? I didn't get into Paul's Boutique until a little bit later, and Same. I think it literally just because you know the, this was still pre-internet, and mm-hmm. I had to hear about it in high school from some other like-minded friends who were into the Beastie Boys. And they were like, Oh, have you heard this? And I I had no idea, you know, all I knew was 
License to Ill and Ill Communication, I didn't even know that there were two albums in between those two. Right. So, you know, I get turned on to Paul's Boutique and then Check Your Head, which we're probably right about ready to talk about. And it's like, okay, it makes sense now because if you jump straight from License to Ill to Ill Communication, which you would almost think because of the names that they're connected somehow, but they're Mm -hmm. so sonically different. Yeah. And why are they playing hardcore punk on this this record? What is going on? Um, if you don't know the history of the Beastie Boys, it's it's weird. It's kind of jarring. Um, yeah. But I was turned and, you know, this is so early on in my musical exploration years that I barely understood like how sampling worked. I knew what it was, but I didn't mm-hmm. know the mechanics behind it. And so a lot of the really incredible and and honestly mind blowing sample work on that record, it was kind of lost on me at the time. Um, But I did recognize how different it was, how experimental it was. Um, You know, you've got songs like high plains drifter and just stuff that's really, really different. Um, And it was just fun. and interesting at the same time. And I listened to it a lot. Um, Something to chew on too. There's a lot on there to process and, and check your head is that, that, that same thing. Like Paul's, where Paul's boutique is all sampling. Check your head is they're playing instruments now, which I like, I guess I kind of thought they were because in those early songs, there's rock guitars, but like maybe they're playing it and maybe it's someone else, but now it's samples it's a lot of instrumental stuff as there's a musicality to it that it's still got the hip hop chops. It's still got the lyrics, but you have Mario C again, producing it. Now you have the appearance uh, money. Mark is now playing. He was, he was a carpenter that was building the studio. And then they were like, Oh, you should jam with us. And then basically, are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) It's so crazy. Right. Um, But all of that stuff is kind of serendipitous. It's all super serendipitous. They, there's certain lyrics. I'm trying to remember the specific ones, but there's certain ones that talk about building. And then they, they shout out Mark or whatever, because it's like, that's like, he, that's what he was doing. He was, he was doing that before he becomes this, uh, well they're like hey hop on the organ player. and now yeah. you're a beastie boy <laughs> and now you're a beastie boy well and that's the funny thing is it's like like you know so the beastie boys is a trio and just like the beatles who's the fifth beetle right you right. wonder like who, who's the fourth beastie and you could make the argument that oh. it's money mark you can could make be. the argument that mario it's mario c, c. you can make could the argument Mixed later Master on mike. that it's mr <laughs> master mike exactly <laughs> And it's almost like once once I got there and my thought process of who's the fourth beastie, I'm like, oh, no, this speaks to what this was. It was right. a collaboration. Absolutely. This was a wholehearted like ensemble that was building what Beastie Boys became. It went from this three dudes smoking and tossing beers around and breaking a room up to like, yeah. we're going to create stuff and we have a collective here that we're working under the moniker of beastie boys now granted 
Mm-hmm. It's still the three guys. It's three guys on the on the cover yeah. art for Check Your Head. Three guys on the cover art of Hello Nasty. After that, like you're you're not getting around the fact that this is still a trio, but they do treat it as a collective. They shout out their boys in almost yeah. every song a in lot. some situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you have this growth of like what this band started as and what it's kind of um, become. But again, Check Your Head doesn't have. A hit. I mean, I feel like so. What you want got some play. Like I remember. Hit. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it. really. I mean, it was what? Mm, let's see. I mean, ninety three on the Billboard mm-hmm. Hot one hundred. Okay, yeah. it made the Hot one hundred, but you know, ninety three. They did. It's not a yeah. smash hit. Um, yeah. but oh my god, what a song! Like yeah. to this day, you just smash your head to that song. Yeah, it's so a banger. good. And I remember, so check your head was my skate park song that our our skate park album. I would, I would go to the skate park with my boombox in my backpack set up and blast check your head start to finish while I pretended like I knew how to skateboard. It was (laughs) my absolute like summer album probably two or three summers in a row. It was just everything. And I I still, to this day, am so in love with that album and I can listen to it front to back. And there's so many interest. It's still, it still has like the really inventive and interesting sampling, but Mm. yeah, you start to, Oh, they're playing instruments and there's some really cool stuff happening. And I've never heard a song like half of these songs before. Yeah. And it's so inventive and it, it really again it it didn't hit at the time that it came out. Right. It was it was still successful because it's still the Beastie Boys and they're still really really well known, but at the time that it came out it wasn't this smash hit. Um but you did start to see, you know, I I do remember seeing the So What You Want music video um on MTV at some point and mm-hmm. it was really cool with the different effects in the video and it was so simple and it had the slow motion and it was like nothing we'd ever heard before. So that kind of started uh, in my mind, which is kind of their, their second creative outlet, which was the music videos that started to mm-hmm. get more and more inventive uh, as time went on. Yeah. So I still, man, it's, if if I had to pick a favorite Beastie Boys album, it would be mm-hmm. really difficult to not have Check Your Head in the top one or two spot. Like it's yeah. outstanding. Yeah, it, it really is. I feel like Check Your Head is is one that I went back to. Like that is, I think, the the iconic one that I 100% would not have. I didn't know of its existence, just like you. And then I went back to it after hearing about it for a bunch. And I was like, oh, this is, this is probably better than any other PC boys album uh, yeah. that I, I, that I was familiar with at that time. Although now I've gone back to my ill communication and hello nasty, uh, which I kind of skimmed through at the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh wait, there's a lot going on yeah. there as well. Um, in line with that sort of collective ensemble that they've built, they're also enterprising at this point. They've got, yeah. Uh, they've got their imprint that they've created, which, again, is incredibly impressive for a band that hasn't really had any success on Capitol. Like 
They had their right. massive success on another record label. They came over and put these two very abstract, creative albums that have not. They, but I think that they still had the following, you know, like that because they had that initial momentum, yeah. everybody knew who the Beastie Boys were. Um, and so they they had the momentum to be able to create an imprint yeah. on capital. And I think I'm again, I, I'm I'm roughing it in here, but I'm I, my recollection is that capital didn't have a, a whole stable of hip hop uh at the time anyway and i think that they were looking for their mm -hmm. kind of leg up into that space and so partnering with them and creating grand royal as an imprint um was, was amazing probably a smart thing to do um and then they start they they come up with this magazine that again yeah. i wish i knew existed <laughs> like, I, know. I, I look back on it and i'm like man this is so cool um but and this is kind of foreshadowing of everything else. It's like the ideas are great and the execution is tough because you really have to have a lot of people in lockstep to uh, execute on big projects, especially when yeah. it's kind of it's not just going to a studio and make magic or, or jam and come up with stuff. Um, right. And so like Grand Royal magazine seems amazing and it had you know, MCA's pasta recipe and interviews with <laughs> Lee Scratch Perry. And it's just like so, it's this wild. like crazy curated thing of like building a culture and not just being a song right. or a, a sound or whatever it is. It's it's like this eclectic culture that they're trying to uh, cement and not even i mean they're trying to sell it but they're it's it seems like secondary to just fostering a dialogue and exposure and putting cool stuff out there yeah um i will say that mike d out of the three of them is to me the marketing guy i mean like as as the magazine continues on and i think it only puts out like six or seven issues like they they had this crazy rush at first because there was such Beastie Boys momentum. Newsstands were like people were asking for it. They couldn't deliver it. And then ultimately they wound up with too many copies of it because it was so <laughs> erratic. It was like eight months later. The second issue came out. The third one was supposed to come out and it took a year. Like it was it, it just it kind of fell over itself. Yeah. Um, and by the end. Ad Rock puts a disclaimer in like, I think the last or second to last issue being like, I actually haven't been involved in this for a while. So like this, the stuff that's in this issue isn't, isn't my picks and it isn't my stuff or whatever. And you like, these guys are all friends. They're, they're yeah. a unit. You never have that that severance that you do get with some bands and nasty situations, but you can feel yeah. they're all operating independently. Like they all have their, they have their, their own thing. stuff going on for sure. And but if I can still look at it, boys. yeah, a hundred percent, but you can see now Mike is the enterprising guy. He's got uh, X large clothing brand that he co-launches basically, mm -hmm. or he starts and he's wearing that stuff. And he's the one in the ads from the group. Um, and, and they all point to Yauk to MCA as like that that scientist. He's the one who's looping the drum beat backwards and he knew how to do all these things that they would just their minds would get blown and he would be the spark that inspires them. Um, and then I, I for me, like Ad Rock is 
the attitude. Ad Rock yeah, is pretty much. swagger. <laughs> I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but I think of like no, their VM. Right. I remember seeing their VMA performance, dude. Because again, Intergalactic for me, I was just like, this is such a jam. I want yeah. I want this like mainlined into my veins. Like Absolutely. this is so cool. And I remember watching them in their red jumpsuits at the VMAs, and it's just three dudes and a DJ. And they're all they all got their swagger and it's all really cool. Mm -hmm. But dude, ad rock just like popping and humping and like jumping around like the attitude, the energy that ad yeah, rock for sure. had gelled with me so much. Now, I will say like now for me, I'm an MCA guy because he's just so cool and in the pocket and back. And he's yeah. like, you can tell he's, he's got the that concrete. Grit. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like as a as a kid, like as a teenager, I'm like, dude, Ad Rock is he's the one he's going to break some stuff and it's going to be great. And he's so cool. Like I was just <laughs> man, like he and Mike just like had that swagger to them. Um, well, it's also funny because it it mirrors the three piece band mechanic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, like sure. MCA is on bass and he mm -hmm. is just the foundation. And, you know, Mike D is in the back, but, you know, mm -hmm. without him, it doesn't all gel together at all. Right. And you've right. got, you know, the loud electric guitar ad rock up in front with all of the energy and the bravado and everything. So it still works point. in yeah. that aspect. It's it's wild yeah. to see it happen that way. But yeah, and that's what made it work so well for all those years, decades. Yeah. Um, um so yeah so so we jump ahead i mean so ill communication is 94 fantastic it's big so year good. for them yeah i mean that was number uh, one like, yeah sabotage is still i mean that you hear that opening guitar part and everyone it's like the beginning of semi-charm kind of life or whatever when you just like hear a few songs and you're like all right this is a mood we're going we're going for it like this is a thing like sabotage is just awesome instantly and again, recognizable I, I didn't like it at i didn't like it at first i was really? like what is this what is this song what seriously is this? Wow. and now i can't now i love it you know of course um but i will say root down to sabotage to get it together is such a crazy run like it's they wild. all are so different and they're mm -hmm. all so good and they all don't sound like they could be the same band and i don't exactly know how they right. all line up together and uh and then on the still, same like, album yeah. you've got you've got the hardcore punk songs you've got the meandering like psychedelic jam songs that they start mm -hmm. to get into um which you kind of saw the early seeds of in check your head. Yeah. Um, but 94 was such a huge year for them. And right. the, you know, the album went number one, they headlined Lollapalooza. Amazing. They're the biggest band in the world at this point, essentially again, like I, like they, yes. with they, a completely different style. Exactly. And they like, didn't give up anything of their, past two albums of experimentation they just dialed it in right. on an album so that they deliver it in a way where there's these very like palatable moments of like sabotage is a radio hit yes. but it's the entire th album including that song is so eclectic that they turn their vision of experimentation and art into this massive success that then also ultimately does get re fully realized again with, with hello nasty. Yeah. Um, but what I'll, I'll say before we move on on that is like, and 
Grammys are what they are. It's uh, it, we've talked about it before, but it's interesting to look at what kind of nods they were getting through this trajectory and to realize that I, I it could be wrong. I don't think that anybody's had this sort of kind of uh, like cadence to what their nominations and wins were. So like mm-hmm. check your head, check your head. They get nominated for a Grammy uh, best rap performance by a group. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't win it, but nominated in, in the rap performance right. uh, category. Mm-hmm. Two years later, they're nominated for the best hard rock performance. Like <laughs> maybe Linkin Park has done that, but I doubt it. You know, like oh, that Jay-Z wow. album there. I could. That's the only thing I can think of, of like bridging that gap. And then, dude, I mean, to go then to Hello Nasty, like three years right. later. So rap performance nomination on Check Your Head. Hard rock two years later on sabotage off of ill communication. Mm-hmm. And then the Grammys in 99, they win two. One of them is rap performance for intergalactic. Uh-huh. And the other, other win is alt music performance for yes. hello nasty. And I'm like, That's has wild. anybody done that? I don't think so. I like, I don't think anyone has ever been able to capitalize that alternative rap rock space like this band did at the time. Um, and I think it so perfectly epitomizes what they were doing and what their yeah. vision was. It's just like, you can't define us. So you can just put us in all your categories and yeah. then like you vote <laughs> for us for hard rock or alternative or hip hop, whatever it is. Like let's do, cause they'll go on. I mean, a foreshadowing they go on and win a Grammy for best instrumental album because the beastie boys decide to just do an instrumental album because yep. that's what and they're doing. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Really so good. I, I don't know the mix up too much. Let's, let's hit hello nasty first. Yes. Um, but I don't, I don't, I, I do want to hear about that. Cause that's, that is, a blind spot for me. I haven't spent much time with the mix up. Um, yes. So, but, so um, hello nasty was to my recollection, my first like midnight release album. Oh, because they were already like, okay, you know, practically my favorite band at that point or my favorite group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're what got me into, you know, Turntablism, okay. the reason why I bought my, you know, um, DJ setup, uh, mm-hmm. you know, experimenting with you like really early um, digital audio software, um, you know, where I would pull sounds off of records and like try to do something with it on the computer. It was primitive and terrible, but it was like sure. that um experimentation is what got for, from the beastie boys is what got me interested in in messing around with that kind of stuff okay um so when the rumblings are oh beastie boys have a new album coming out there was still really no internet to speak of mm-hmm. um you know this might have been like the really early days of AOL and stuff like that but you know this was this was pre-internet as we know it. If, pre- yeah. if the internet was anything at this point, it was like message boards and like chat rooms and stuff like that. And that's about it. But there was so much buzz around it. And I remember the fanfare and everything surrounding the upcoming release at Newbury comics. 
And I think this was the first, I think this was the first time that I bought the CD and the record. I bought both. Whoa. Wait, you have the vinyl? I, I did at the time. And like, I have another pressing now and I don't know where my original pressing ended up because most wow. of those late nineties record purchases I, what I'm saying, dude. of mine are got lost in the, you know, moves that my parents made after I like right. gone off to college and stuff like that. Um, I still, I still have check your head somewhere. It might be in like some of the dozens of boxes that my dad has in storage still somewhere, but I, you know, Man. Who knows where it is? Just but, '90s vinyl, as just as an aside, right? Like '90s vinyl can be so valuable so now because it. But it was it. But now because nobody was buying vinyl back then, like right. it can often be like original pressings from the '90s for a lot of those records could be very like worth a ton of money because it just wasn't being sold like late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't boys, treat like, them with a little different either. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you loved them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was scratching them up and like, you know, trying to learn how to make those sounds that I was hearing on records. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that, that was a really formative time period for me. And it, it's such a just deep dive adventure of an album. Yeah. Cause you're right. It comes off the first, you know, beat of the album. Uh, you, you know, like you said, you've got body moving, you've got intergalactic near the front of the album and it's, it starts out. Oh, this is like incredible. And then it starts to reveal some, some of that experimentation. And it's not mm-hmm. the kind of experimentation that we're used to. It's not just, you know, the playing instruments and having samples at the same time, that's not enough anymore. That's, we've already done that. That's three albums ago that we did that. Let's we're moving on from that now. And, you know, it's like, they've got like some dub tracks. They've got, they've got a, a weird, like psychedelic sounds like it could be like, some kind of dusty Springfield or like f- just female vocalist with flutes and like, it's wild stuff going right. on. Right. Um, there's, there's a, a ton of tracks on this album. It's even for a beastie boys album. Yeah. And, um, I, at the time, um, was, I, I think lucky enough to, just eat it all up. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't lost on me at the time, whether it was like, you know, already having listened to the entirety of check your head over and over again and listening to Paul's boutique and being uh, immersed in like, you know, researching, uh, you know, what this sample was and what that sample was and how did they get, you had your one Oh one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's, this is the other one that, for me personally, uh, they would fight hello nasty and check your head would be fighting for number one. I think yeah. the number one spot, if I had to rank their albums, which I don't think we're going to do, right? We're not, no, we're not going to do that, but I, I, I probably do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I, I, I would, I'd probably land in that exact same space with you with ill communication as the third place for me. Like, I think that you and I are, are yeah. in, in similar spaces where it's like, I, I, yeah, I, I look at this album now 
with uh, with great fondness. I also feel like I still have more to learn from it. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like I could go in and hear things that I didn't even spend the time to immerse myself in enough. Um, mm-hmm. And I also look back on it and I'm like, man, I wish that I had had the the words and the vocabulary or the understanding uh, like you're talking about how you were experimenting in music at that time. Right. And so you could apply that plus what you knew of this band and uh, decipher and, and digest things on this that I look back and I'm like, I shouldn't have even let me buy this thing. Like they yeah. should have just <laughs> should be like, no, you need, you need to study stuff before you go to this. Cause this is the masterclass. This is yeah. just like, and, there, and there's some great stuff that comes after this, but like, this is probably the pinnacle of this band. Like that. Yeah. They, it really they, is. They, yeah. They, they will never top this. They don't need to, they go off and they do a bunch of other interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like the culmination of everything. And it's also, again, it's very cool that it was recognized and it wasn't this hindsight it really was. thing. Like it's winning Grammys. It's the number debuting at number one. It, it's helped that they, they, again, just like sabotage, they just figured out a song that just smacks. Like yeah. intergalactic is such a banger. My kid it's likes so intergalactic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The music video is fun no to sense. watch. It's All such a silly thing. But just again, just like gorillas, like you'll have uh, this eclectic mix of stuff that's happening on those albums. And then there's mm-hmm. certain songs, whether it's by design or it's just how things aligned. I don't know. Again, my daughter's seven. It's like, there's a handful of gorilla songs that she wants to put on in the car. Yeah, and there's a handful yeah. of beastie boy songs that she wants to put on in the car. And they're all the there predictable ones. Right. Right. Although there's, there's a song on ill communication. That's got like that, uh, goat sample. It's like the third song. I'm blanking on the name. of oh, it. Oh, I, I know what you're talking uh, about. Beat boys. Uh, yeah. It's like that toy cow sound. That's yeah. Beat boys making on the freak freak. The freak and it's freak, like, yeah. yeah, it's like got this weird, goat thing it sounds like mm-hmm. something worm jim and my daughter yes. thinks it's the funniest <laughs> thing it's, it's so funny yeah. um but yeah so like intergalactic just hyper palatable right and it's great that they got the respect that uh that they did in in that time yeah and they're um, working with other artists on this album too which they'll go later on to do a little bit more um mm-hmm. lee scratch perry is on the album Mi- uh miho is on the album who would later go on um to be one of the gorillas members so yeah. uh there's some there's some connection there and i think that's really cool oh they they, they were we got to talk about mix master mike for a second yeah i mean, I mean that, that they, collaboration yeah oh my god i mean he was winning the yeah the dj con- like whatever the the like international DJ competition that they, I think he, they said he couldn't compete anymore because he just kept winning. Like he's, <laughs> he's, like, he's right, you're done. <laughs> arguably like the greatest DJ on the planet, at least like from a technical standpoint, but also from a creative standpoint. Um, yeah. What a great pairing. And again, like I remember that VMA performance and I didn't even know who mixed master Mike was. And I was impressed. And now I look back and I'm like that. I wish I had been more present in that. Cause I'm like, this performance is amazing. And I've obviously like, we're never going to get to see them perform. And so all we have is those archival things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no mix master Mike is like it. That was, it was such a perfect time for him to join the group. Um, I, 
again, it's like I wish that there was some sort of actual immediate, not to make another video game uh, comparison, but I wish there was there was a Majora's Mask to the Ocarina of Time here. You know, like like I wish that we had that immediacy, and instead we wait six years um, for uh, for another album. Um, (laughs) There was a beat there for sure. Yeah, and and Hello Nasty also does this thing, and I think the timing of it, you start to now, the timing starts to not work in their favor in certain situations, um, where Hello Nasty does does kind of cap the 90s really nicely. It's like, there's there's almost, like, it, it typifies, like, that, there was really cool stuff happening with with Beck and and you know you had a, a lot of great artists that were doing mm-hmm. cool alternative music, um, and then you also had TRL, and these guys did both, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. But then, like when they moved to the next album, things have moved on. Like the two thousands are Coldplay. You know, and yeah, things got sad. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, obviously, 9-11 plays into that and it 9/11 plays into their happened, next album. But now um, everyone's sad. Everyone's listening to, I mean, like the strokes are, are rock music, but it's still, they're still kind of melancholy about it. Yeah. You've got yeah. Wilco, like mm-hmm. and things got, rate. you know, Radiohead, it, like things got sad. Exactly. Exactly. And the party Radiohead's a great vibe, call. you know what I mean? Because I yep. mean, it's they're not the party animals like from license to ill anymore, but it's still a fun, upbeat vibe. And yeah. I think for a while there, we weren't having that. Yeah. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Yeah. So, so then it's like, what is, um, what are, what are the beastie boys? What is this now? Like, is, mm-hmm. is there, is there a continuation because you don't have that immediate follow up? Um, that follows in in the footprints of ill communication and hello nasty um and and so to the five burrows comes out and i remember hearing songs from it uh mm-hmm. i i liked them i didn't buy this album when it came out i missed it no um, neither did i I, I, which is crazy because we were just talking. I mean, like I was ravenous for for what they were doing on Hello Nasty. They were your favorite band at that point. But then like, absolutely. The, again, the cadence changes and what they are. These guys are in their 40s now. Um, and, yeah, and they and start the, to do some good stuff with like, you know, there there was all of the the protest work. Um, well, yeah, you had the Tibetan. Uh, we, we, yeah, we didn't talk about like Yauk's work with the Tibetan uh, freedom concert. Yeah, uh, had, like he we went that. off and and did that. Like, yeah, they they had other enterprises, like we mentioned before, that they were engaging in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you had the war, and, the Iraq War protest uh, mm-hmm. situation that was going on, but then at the same time, you know, despite the fact that they haven't put out new music in a while, they're still headlining Coachella. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. There's no, still they never, the Beastie Boys. Yeah, they never lose that bullet and underline status. They're still what they are. Um, but, but to, to the, the five, five burrows, is weird, right? It's like it's sparse. A strange. Yeah. Kind of sparse. Like, it is the first album that they've self-produced. Mm-hmm, so there is right. that aspect. No Mario C. Right. No Mario C. And it's it's a little bit 
kind of um, almost stale sounding a little mm. bit. Not yeah. a lot of variety in not a lot of sonic variety. Excellent, yeah. you know, some of their best lyrical work, right? Because yeah. they're, you know, they only get better lyrically speaking as time goes on. That doesn't change. Right. The quality of the lyricism is is outstanding. But everything else kind of falls a little bit flat, at least for me. And, you yeah. know, that seems to be the general consensus about the album, um, which is a shame. But, you know, not everything can be a home run. Yeah, I don't think that there's a fail on this album. I'll, no. I'll say that. Like, I think that you can listen to this cover to cover and everything's good. And it has its moments where it's great. I think that they also probably like Hello Nasty was such a crazily curated, expansive body of work that to say we're going to build upon that and do that in another way would like, I feel like they almost just said like, let's just tighten it up, strip it down. Like, and, and let's be a little more focused. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just, let's just like reexamine whatever this is. Um, And it, it works. Like, it's just not, it doesn't hold, it's not going to hold against all that other stuff like and i don't it's think it's just I don't not think memorable they, really for me yeah I, I but i also don't think that they needed it to i think that they were th- the the amount of time between those releases says to me that they were just gonna make what they wanted to because they could, yeah you know like they didn't care about sustaining something or having another pop hit or whatever it was they just they wanted to make whatever they wanted to make uh and i respect it you know yeah. Um, but then... And then, so so what's the instrument? Tell me about the instrument. Because when I heard about this again, I was, at this point, I still wasn't very well versed. Like, I was starting to appreciate this band, but it wasn't, like, deep. And I remember being like, these are rappers, an instrumental album, y'all are nuts. What is this? You know? It's so good. Like, okay. I almost imagine it to be the soundtrack to a weird modern but throwback like new york noir film it's so cool and it did kind of come out and it came out of nowhere um and it was not on my radar at the time but you know over the years i've grown to absolutely love it it's a great like nighttime driving album if you don't Um. really want you know a lot of words um it's great for when you need i don't know I don't know about you, but like if I'm working on certain types of work, I have to be listening to instrumental music because the mm-hmm. words will like interfere with what I'm, if I'm trying to like type something out, I can't have other words going on because it'll throw me off. So instrumental music helps me out a lot with that. And this is another great album for that. It's just an insanely tight and creative instrumental work it's so fun it's so good it's unique it's pretty chill for the most part but man it's good i love it but is it a beastie boys release does it feel like a beastie boys album i mean it's it definitely i'll say it definitely sounds like the beastie boys like okay um because they put out that compilation the in sound from the way out which was just a Mm -hmm. collection of their instrumentals from their previously released albums because a lot of their albums are littered with this kind of live instrument uh right instrumental tracks but this is all original you know made specifically for the album 
instrumental songs and it's so good they're just so good but it sounds like it does sound like the beastie boys though like if you're familiar with their instrumental jam songs it does sound like them but there's unless i'm mistaken and i'm not remembering correctly i don't think there's a single word on the album spoken or or otherwise no and it's weird because i remember i remember like when you start discovering that this band has been doing this for albums and albums and albums, right. Mm-hmm. It's been, this isn't like a new thing for them. Um, that I would go into the liner notes then and look and see like, but are like they playing the instruments or this is like a bunch of people. Cause there'd be like instrumentals tracks or near instrumental cuts on a bunch of the albums. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so then who, who is this? If it's not the three MCs, then who, who's playing these instruments? And it, it was them, which is also crazy impressive. Yeah. They had other folks that, that played with them, but uh, they played a lot of the, the stuff themselves. Yeah, um, they've got chops. Yeah. Well, and, and so when I looked up the mix up recently, like it's just them. So that's pretty crazy. Like these guys just created an album um, with, um, I think with money Mark, right? Like he's on keys, but um, it's, it's crazy to think that these guys just did this themselves. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So it, it I really do, is. I they do just feel did like what they wanted to, to do, like it. you said, yeah. <laughs> and they want a yeah. Grammy for it. Like you said, yeah, right. It's insane. Crazy. Best yeah. pop instrumental album. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh, just, yes. you know, fate, fate, fate plays its, uh, its hand and it's, it's messed up. And, and you mentioned the internet before, you know, like mm-hmm. now we're, we're in an internet era. Yes. Um, they put out an instrumental album, which is received, but people are like asking them and trying to find out like, when are we actually getting some, some vocals, some MC work? Like, yep. is, or will the beastie boys ever do it again? And I mean, you remember the era of Kazaa, LimeWire, Napster, yep. there's leaks, there's stuff and and all like, kinds of weirdness. So like the first album demos of it start leaking on the Internet and you pair that with the fact that Yauk gets diagnosed with cancer and yes. like it, it there's a one two punch of the band having a master plan. Mm-hmm. I would I would wager that the mix up was going to be quickly followed I, the year or two followed with a proper quote unquote beastie boys vocal album. Mm-hmm. Um, and between the, the leaks and then the personal stuff, they're like, well, no, well, let's hold off on this. So right. then, so the hot sauce committee part one, half part leaks basically. And so then they're like, all right, well, Let's re- let's regroup here. Uh-huh. What, do, what are we going to save? How are we going to retrofit this? What are we going to do here? Also, how's Yauk doing? Like, right. we don't want to go out and do stuff um, and uh, and not be able to tour without him. Like, we need him. He's again, we said he's the scientist. He's the yeah. heart of this group, really. Um, and uh, and I remember this like being active in the industry at this point, like I remember Mike and, and ad rock doing promo for this. And it was odd because they didn't want to be out there doing stuff, but part two comes out 
and mm-hmm. Yauk Yauk is still alive, I think, at that point. And uh, but yes. they're like, but he can't go out and do the the promo because he's in treatment. And so they're talking about how they hope he's going to get better and whatever. And and they don't want this thing to sit any longer. It's been, it's. I mean, so the, to the bur- five boroughs was two thousand four. This comes out in twenty twelve. So eight years between vocal albums. Five yeah. years since the mix up. Um, and there's also just, kind of. I don't know how much played into like just kind of their silly marketing playfulness, maybe Mm -hmm. like with the part two thing that they only released part two. Um, Yeah. I know that there may have just been some like, wouldn't it be funny if we released part two, but didn't release part one kind of thing. Yeah. There might've been a little bit of that. I think um, you're right. I always interpreted it as like, well, you guys took part one. So now we're going to what yeah. we give you is actually part two because you guys stole that from us. Right. That, like, that's just the way that I viewed it. I don't know if they've actually said that, but it in in kind of going through what it was, it was like, well, something's out there and you guys took it and it's there. So mm-hmm. then like we need some control over it. So we're going to put it out in its form. We can't call it the thing that it was because y'all already defined that. So here's right. what it is. This is this is what we're actually put, calling it out. And we'll call it the second part of it because now there's it's got to be a supplement to this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I really love this album. It's good. Um, it is up there for me. And the collaborations Mm-hmm. particularly Nas. the track with Nas. Oh yeah. my God. It's is there, so a, is there a more like New York music pairing than beastie boys and Nas together? What? Yes. It's called get it together on ill communication with Q-tip with Q-tip. Not, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, it's they're Man. They're arguably, they're arguably interchangeable as like, what's the perfect New York pairing there for so sure. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, I came to this album late. I don't, I didn't really get into it um, when it came. I'd heard the rumblings, you know what I mean? We Mm -hmm. were online at that point, but, um, and then also this, you know, this came out. um, When was it? 2011, 2012. I think it's 2012. Well, either way, whether it was, I think it was 2011. Oh yeah. Right. It's 2011. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, Oh, because Yauk dies in Adam Yauk passed That's away. It yeah, yeah, it came out May third, two thousand eleven, and then Adam Yauk passed away almost exactly a year later on May fourth, mm-hmm. two thousand twelve. So yeah. you know, my daughter was born in two thousand eleven. So it's like at oh, that wow. point, you know what I mean. I don't remember a whole lot of anything <laughs> at that point mm-hmm. because it was my first kid. I was sleep deprived for the next year and a half. So <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's a new Beastie Boys album. Certainly wasn't on my radar at that point. Um, But, you know, I have come to really love and appreciate this album for what it is that, you know, they're, they're still experimenting. They're, Mm -hmm. they're um, taking uh, live performances as they're doing them and then live sampling their live performances as they're playing is the experimentation on this album, which is kind of nuts. You know, they're, they're, they're still, even on their like, you know, their their swan song album, their final album, you know, they've got to know, you know, at, at least or or at least there's the threat there that, OK, guys, this could be our last album mm-hmm. um, because MCA is sick and, 
you know, we're, we're going to give it our all. And man, it's just so good. They, they've got the collaboration with Santi Gold on here. That's an incredible track. Uh, there's, and just to, to the very end, they're still just trying to push, push the limits of what's possible sonically and push themselves to do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, what's, it's not nearly their most popular album, but I think it's a really wonderful album and, and, uh, it's really a beautiful send off for, you know, one of the most, uh, chameleon like and influential groups uh, of all time, honestly. Yeah. I'm super glad it exists. I, I think if, if, things had been left with to the five burrows and then the mix up. And we didn't have the punctuation point of hot sauce committee. Yeah. Um, the, the beastie boy story, which to me still feels like it wasn't as realized as it could have been. It feels like yeah. there's too many situations where um, it's, it's weird because you look at it and you're like, I, you're it's you're being greedy because there's so much good stuff there and again (laughs) again i feel like there's still so much that i should go back to and experience that i haven't that i really haven't even appreciated yet so it's a there is a gift a body of work and a gift that keeps on giving but um it it does make me look at it and just say like i'm glad that there's at least this finality to it And, and and i also hope that that they feel that way too you know like the soul of this band was lost in 2012 and yeah, they, they'll never do it again. Like, yeah, I, it'll never be the beastie boys. This they're still doing, they won't stuff. do it. They mm-hmm. won't do it. Like, and, and I respect them for it. Um, I, there was this weird moment. I was at a music festival in 2018 and Mike D was doing a DJ set and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know, like mm-hmm. I'll go check that out. Um, and it you was into cool. the echo chamber. Sorry. I didn't mean huh? to interrupt. What's the echo chamber? It's Mike D's like basically podcast radio show where he does like he plays music and also interviews and stuff like that. No, it's basically it's form. It's like formatted like a podcast, but he does play like full tracks of music. Um, It's really cool. Like I've listened to a number of episodes and he has great interviews and uh, I've discovered a lot of cool music through it. But yeah, it's called echo chamber. It's is really it his cool. own music? Yeah, it's it's called okay. Echo Chamber with Mike D. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I thought that I was going to either like a curated uh, set of like hip hop stuff and like or or that I was going to get exposed to Beastie Boys influences via DJ set or mm-hmm. maybe just hear his own stuff. Like I didn't I didn't know what I was walking into. Yeah, um, and what i remember of it was that he had a d he was djing with this guy who was playing beastie boys songs and when it was his part they would bring the volume down and he would do his part and it was almost like he was trying to perform the beastie boys as a solo artist to track it's an odd Hmm. thing um you go back, you can go this video of it. I just remember feeling kind of uncomfortable because I was just like, <laughs> I know that that's not, I, I know that 
that they have a, a sensitivity of what would Yauk do. I right. know that that Ad Rock feels very strongly that the Beastie Boys will never exist again because they can't ever exist again. And there's no yeah. talk of doing any sort of iteration or replacement or anything like that. It's just it's done. Mm-hmm. And so like knowing that and watching that, I'm like, but does like Mike still want to do it? Cause it feels like Mike wants to do this. <laughs> like he's up yeah. on stage trying to kind of do it right now. And it's, I don't know why this is happening. And huh. it was cool to see Mike D doing his lines from these songs. But right. like, it was also odd that it was like, again, it was like the track. It was like the song. And then it would like pull back and he would do his punch ins and stuff. Yeah. Um, huh. So I, I just don't know. Like, again, it feels like, it feels like we could be, even if there had only been a ninth Beastie Boys album, if Yauk hadn't passed, right? Like we were getting to a six to seven year cadence. Like who knows if there would be much more work that was released at this point. But mm-hmm. it feels like there would at least be more headlining Coachella, Lollapalooza moments of seeing yeah. this band age. They, I mean, look, they aged gracefully in sure. all other ways like they Absolutely. were able to continue to iterate as they got older and they didn't have to do what they did before so i again i selfishly wish that i could see them live i selfishly For wish sure. that i could see That's... what they look like in their 50s mm-hmm. when they're doing this you know like what that sounds like i will um, say it is very strange to see ad rock with a full head of gray hair <laughs> <laughs> right. that's a that's a little yeah. off-putting yeah. for uh yeah for me <laughs> and they're all dads now you know yeah. like we're all we're all just a bunch of dads like, just a bunch of dads talking about cool. yeah. dad stuff <laughs> um so so we'll, we'll we put a cap on this uh, yes. right by do we want to talk about some of our favorite standout songs what what do you want to do well i have um a top five that i painstakingly worked okay. through let's do it. um did you have you have your top have five, five songs I got five. okay yeah. awesome so let's let's do this backwards like we've been doing with red show groove start with our number five and work our way up okay. Okay. um my number five beastie boy song is actually too many rappers which is the collaboration okay. with Nas. it cool. goes hard it if does. you have yeah. not listened to this song play it very loudly and just convince me that that is not a banger. Yeah. It's so good. And might be the last music video with Yauk in it, I think too. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe, there might've been one after that, but it's one of the last things that they did before he went into full treatment. And it's like, it's a cool music video too. Like it's just them kind of bouncing around in different places. It's a bunch of different, clips and stuff um and i honestly haven't even seen it oh yeah you should should check it out yeah i'll go check it out right after this for sure yeah what's your number Um, five mine was high plains drifter there's just like it's it's really cool storytelling uh like i i i love the flow and the non sequiturs that they have in different songs but there's like a vibe um it's a cool eagles sample um and i just think the lyrics are killer and it 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 there's there's this like consistency throughout that song Mm -hmm. that if it's like again it's a good one to to drive around listening to it's just like they decided to to set a scene for you and yeah 
it's very cool yeah so i dig that good driving song for sure yeah my number four is sabotage i don't think there's another song that exists that's quite like sabotage no it's like yeah it's it's kind of technically hard rock but is it like he's kind of yell rapping kind of scream yeah. rapping uh yeah. is it hardcore is it rap is it somewhere in the middle um what are they singing about some kind of you know the i mean the music video almost makes it make more sense mm-hmm. <laughs> versus <laughs> like this you know like 70s cop show uh vibe to it so um man i will never not absolutely crank that song yeah uh, and just maybe one of the best breakdowns of all time when the music drops out the clunk 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 and then you hear the little feedback fade and then here comes mca with like the sickest bass like yeah. breakdown in maybe music history and i might be yeah. using a little bit no, of it's iconic movie, but oh my no, god no it's iconic super yeah, iconic yeah yeah i love it um, for me, it's get it together off of ill communication. I, a, oh, a tribe Q-tip. called quest. Yeah. A tribe called quest is, is another band that like, I knew some songs. I actually really liked Q-tips solo album in the moment. Like that was just it, that hit at the right time for me when I was mm-hmm. growing up and getting into hip hop. Um, and a tribe called quest is another band like the beastie boys where then you like go back and you hear those jazz samples and how they kind of orchestrated things. And like, I have a very similar appreciation and experience even to this day with both of these artists. And then to have them just merge their sounds so seamlessly. So it's like, it's a tribe called quest and a beastie boy song at the same time. It's so good. Yeah, it really is. It, they there it's seamless uh and it's got it's it's got probably my favorite or well, one of my favorite just like like one liner things of she's the cheese and I'm the macaroni yeah. which is such <laughs> a simple beastie boys thing there's a million things they say like that but for some reason she's the cheese and I'm the macaroni it's is a so good sure. to me oh it's so good to me yeah and that's a good uh point too when beastie boys do a collaboration it's it's very much a halfway point like, mm-hmm. you know, the song with Nas could be on a Nas album. Yeah. You know, when they work with like Lee Scratch Perry or Santi Gold, it could be on one of their albums. Like it's not one way or the other. It's very yeah. much a an center point collaboration for sure. Yeah. So that's yeah. a good point. Uh, what's your third? <sighs> My number three is Intergalactic. It's a, it's so iconic. I, 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 part of me wanted to put it higher just because it is maybe their you know biggest song outside of um license to ill but yeah it's just like i don't know if there was one song to to um represent the late 90s it's probably mm-hmm. galactic <laughs> before everybody got sad yeah um mine is and i I had this at number four and then I went back and listened to it just again tonight. And I was like, I'm going to take it up a little bit. Yeah. Kick it up a notch. It's a deep, it's a deep 
deeper cut from check your head it's finger licking good there is something about the energy that's just like this driving momentum on that song um and dj hurricane is uh he he was their touring dj in the early years and he comes in on this and uh and and just yep. destroys and then there's that weird bob dylan like clip near I the know. end of it <laughs> it's so beastie boys it's it so works. Beastie boys it's so perfectly like what are you like what trip are you taking me on right now yeah it it's it's rocking and it's a hip-hop thing and it's it's all over the place but it it's cohesive it's such a good time i could listen to that five times over i couldn't agree more and now i'm upset that that one didn't somehow make <laughs> there's a lot of top. good stuff on check your head though yeah. it's so good yeah. yeah um my number two is root down oh yeah um that's a really important um album or not album but i have the root down ep i still have the copy that i bought in the 90s actually and awesome. it it sounds awful on my turntable because <laughs> that is like the first record that I picked up and was like, I'm going to figure out all of this scratching turntable sound. Right. And Ripped it's like, it I, I would, I would use it and, and like I would use it as a background beat and scratch other yeah. records. I would scratch things on that record. So, so root down is really, really special to me. It's also, if I'm remembering correctly, the first, you know, my first introduction to the non licensed to ill beastie boys on 120 minutes and what turned me on to ill communication. And it just exploded from there. So it's my number two. It's also you were talking about 120 minutes early on in this and just like the Grammy thing, it's crazy to think that this band had massive hits, massive, massive hits, and mm-hmm. then also had songs that were being featured on 120 minutes. Yeah, you know, that was that was a space that was like that's where you found the really cool cutting edge stuff. And it's like, oh, no, we'll do both. We'll give you the yeah. hits. And then also like if you want the like really cool eclectic stuff, we're also over here. Like how, how they exactly. just dominated. They ultimately just dominated that format. Um, It's so crazy. Um, So my number two is arguably not even that uh, great of a song. If you were like to put it up against um, a lot of the the rest of the Beastie Boys catalog. Um, But it's uh, it's an open letter to New York off of to the five boroughs. Um, It's super simple. It's it like it doesn't do a whole lot. I admittedly, it's just because it's like a personal thing. You know, it's just like growing up in New York, in in the city, like it, it was this love letter. I remember Mm -hmm. hearing that song when this came out that was that and uh check it out were the two like songs that i remember hearing off of this i remember hearing um and being like this i had i had moved to the city in 2002 this came out so i was in college at the time and i was just like yeah the city was still suffering from 9-11 everybody was feeling weird yeah and it was cool to have this band that it was so new york just kind of write this little anthem and in 
like if you if you don't like the Sinatra song or the Jay-Z Alicia Keys song or whatever else like that you think of as like the New York pop music anthem, this is a good one. Like again, it doesn't, there's no crazy experimenting it. The rhymes aren't even that elaborate or anything. It's almost like a commercial for New York city, if you will, but it, (laughs) it's genuine enough that it feels like, uh, it, it feels like an actual love song. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a special thing. I like, again, like this is a list of me and not actually like what are, are the best. And so for me that that's a, it's just a super special song. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So my number one, um, was really difficult to land on these, these top three, but um, my number one has to be so what you want off of check your head. And, nice. you know, I almost feel silly going with something like this after, you know, such a you had such a meaningful and, and heartfelt, um, you know, reason behind your number two. Mm. But it's to me is like one of, if not the most iconic Beastie Boy songs. It's. Yeah. It hits really hard, but it's also weirdly chill at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like it goes hard, but you're also like leaning back in your car with one hand on the steering wheel. And just it just makes you feel like you're 70 feet tall, just like strutting down the sidewalk. It's just such a unique vibe for a song. Um, But and it's got some wonderful lyrical work. I mean, suckers write me checks and then they bounce. So I reach into my pocket for the fresh amounts. And it's like, okay, you could be, you know, you could take that very literally, which might be true. But also it's it's almost like he's kind of saying like, okay, these other MCs, you know, they can't they're they're writing checks that their mouth can't catch but Mm -hmm. or can't cash. But like I've always got something fresh in my pocket. Like I always have something new and current and like immediately accessible for you. I'm not like giving you something that you can't take to the bank basically. Right. Right. So that's um, my number one. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I mean, I love that song. Um, uh, mine is one that you already talked about, which is intergalactic just again, because like that was go. my, that was my entry point. Um, the one other thing I'll say on intergalactic, um, I mean, the lyrics are so fun, right? There's like, I'll stir fry you in my walk. Yeah. (laughs) There's like, there's such cool stuff in there that again, as a kid at that age, I loved it. Um, but there's rapid fire too. It is. And there's stuff in there that I don't, I didn't even understand. And there's this one line in there that I remember going to look at the lyrics because I'm like, what is he saying? Cause I'm learning all the words. I want to be able to perform right. the song in my bedroom. Absolutely. And I'm like, what is he saying? And he says, got an a from Mo D for sticking to themes. And I'm like, what? what I don't know mean? those words. <laughs> what does that even mean? And I look into it. And so cool Mo D had put mm-hmm. out an album called how you like me now. And yep. on the I- insert of it, there was a report card and he graded <laughs> Every every rapper of that era, he, he it was Run DMC and Public Enemy and LL Cool J and MC Shan. Everybody got a grade, and there was an ultimate grade. And then there were like you got a a, a seventy in this, or uh, or you got a seven in this, a ten in this, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Beastie Boys got like 
a C minus. They they were at the bottom of the report card. Every other <laughs> all the 30 other rappers that he graded got better than the Beastie Boys. But the one section where they got their top marks, the only section that they got a 10 was sticking to themes. <laughs> sticking because to they themes. get that that's like that's what they do, you know, like they they have a they have a song and they're going to rap about it. They have an yep. idea and they're going <laughs> to rap about it. They're going to give it to you. Um, and so that was his way of being like, I know you clowned us and said, like, we're the worst of the best or whatever. But like you still gave me an A. It's yeah. just an A and stick into themes. And he's like bragging about this kind of almost backhanded diss thing yeah. from the hip hop community is like still got an A, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love that. Again, that's another thing where it's like years later to dig into it and be like, oh man, see a nugget. You just uh, you dug up a little another yeah. fun little nugget about this band. It's so cool. Yep. And that that was one of the things that I loved about him too is, you know, there was always those just nonstop references that some, some of them you got and some of them you didn't. And then, yeah. you know, years later you'll, you'll get it. You're like watching one of your favorite movies from when you were a kid. And now you get jokes that you didn't get when you were right. a kid. Right. Right. <laughs> it's 100%. always great. It get, it yeah. like breathes uh fresh life into it. Yeah. Um, well, R.I.P. Yauk, you know, rest in and, peace. Uh, and yeah. Love these dudes. And, uh thanks for the awesome tunes you know like uh it's such a cool uh body of work to have to kind of chew on for years to come honestly it it just doesn't get old for me honestly like i might come in and out of seasons of listening to it a lot or or not but um it's they're always going to be just incredibly special to me and i'll never not be a beasties fan ever same ever we did it yeah episode one Mm -hmm. season two beastie boys and the The boys are back yeah we got plans y'all we got stuff to talk about we got lots to talk about (laughs) we took a break and it's just all you know we got ideas going to be an awesome season i'm super excited i can't wait to share everything that we've been talking about with y'all um but it's good to be back i'll just i'll just bookend it with that any final final thoughts for the episode i don't think so i mean again it it feels like uh when you look at an artist like this uh, it empowers you in any creative uh, venture or function to just say, like, you should just do what feels good. Like, this yeah. band did what they wanted to do, and sometimes it lined up and they found huge success, and sometimes it didn't, and either way, they were still themselves, and they just did what they wanted to do, what they felt like yep. they wanted to do. So it's just it's it's a perspective that I aim to live by as best as possible and i think all of us can glean something from it that's a fantastic takeaway and you know if you're doing what you want to do and you're having fun with it that shines through it that you know if you're just 
you know, doing part two of something just because that's what you do because you had success with the first one, but your heart's not in it and you're not, you know, pushing the boundaries or the envelope anymore. It's like, eh, it's stale. And, and that shows that comes through. Yeah. So, but we got some fresh stuff coming up this season, but thank you, Liam. And thank you yeah, all for listening to Retro Groove. We're part of the Retrologic family of podcasts. You can find us on Discord, on the Retrologic server. And you can also talk with us on Twitter at RetroGroove underscore pod. And we will see you next time. Adios. All right. Noise.